You ready, Cass? Yeah. Let's do this. I'm so excited. Raise your phone on you don't disturb. Aaron, why do you always have to call me out like that? Because <clears throat> it's, it's not. not. <laughs> when I was here for Sarah's, my freaking alarm went off. Yeah, I remember that. That was, that was good. That was funny. Okay. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Into the Light podcast. <laughs> we are so pumped for this episode we and the sure person are. that we have on. Yes, we are. Today we have our best friend. I know we say that every time, <laughs> but Cassie quite literally is our best friend. I think a best friend constitutes you hang out with them every day. I hang out with Cassie every single day. Cassie freaking Arnita. <laughs> <laughs> Cassie is from West Point, Utah, and West she Point. graduated from BYU last semester. Last semester, right? Last semester with anthropology, and she has Mm -hmm. a published paper that's actually incredible. I do. That we'll link in the show notes that you can get. (laughs) In case any of you are interested in academia, interested in (laughs) any type of physician-patient interaction, which has nothing to do with this episode. Well, it's still cool, but she's kind of a beast and the best person ever. Oh, amen to that. I have so many things I want to say about Cassie, but I'm going to limit myself to two. You get two seconds. Hurry. (laughs) Crap. Um, okay, first, Cassie is literally probably the funniest person I've ever met in my life. Just candidly, she doesn't do anything about like she's just naturally funny. Cassie and I have sometimes these like <laughs> super deep conversations where we talk about really hard things and really sad things, and she laughs literally the whole time. Oh, I do. It's yeah. not healthy. I don't know how to talk about sad things without laughing. So. <laughs> So you so guys are going to laugh. So episode. y'all are going to be, I'm going to be cracking up today. <laughs> I was just thinking the other day because I was in a group of students the other week and we were watching Coco, the movie Coco. Love that movie. And there's the part where the super famous singer dude is like singing on stage and the bell drops and kills him. <laughs> and <laughs> there's Cassie laughing. But no, everybody, <laughs> everybody laughed that was watching it. It's bad. And you don't even know that he's a bad guy yet, but I'm just like, this is kind of funny that a lot of people (laughs) struggle with like, it's not a struggle either. I think it's a good coping mechanism to... Maybe, sometimes. It's good to be able to talk about your feelings without having to mask it up with laughter, but it's definitely also a coping mechanism for me, and during certain times it helps. But sometimes Cassie says these really sad things, and she's just like... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My roommate will always tell everybody, she's like, she'll always remember the time that I told her my grandma died, and I just like died of laughter after (laughs) And it wasn't fu- It wasn't Rest funny. in peace, Grandma. Yeah, rest in peace, Grandma. Love her. Okay, but the second thing is I love playing sports. It's like <laughs> my favorite thing in the whole world. <laughs> Throwing a football with Cassie Arnita <laughs> is one of my again. favorite pastimes because she gets just <laughs> as into it as I do. And we both think we're playing for the NFL in the NFL or something we like do. that. And they have no clue who you are. Well, the reason Aaron has so much fun is because I'm just making fun of how into it he gets. Like, oh, Aaron. I make fun of him because... And he's so fast, and he's like yeah. a little ball of energy. Like, if a ball goes out, instead of just, like, passing it to the server, like, in volleyball, he'll, like, turn around, do a little flip, and, like, throw up between his legs. And I just think it's hilarious, so I just do it with him. And, yeah, we do have a great time playing sports together. Makes me feel good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a good fun. time. Love you guys. But today, we're going to tackle a subject that we haven't tackled yet on this podcast so far. And we're Mm going to be, I mean, when this comes out, we're going to be way past the six month mark of episodes coming out. So, but today we're going to talk about one. Okay. I just want to preface this. First of all, if this makes, if this topic makes any of you uncomfortable, please just embrace it for the time because there's a reason that we have Cassie on this podcast because she's an incredible human being. But just like a lot of the other subjects we talk about, it might make you a little bit uncomfortable. But we're talking about one, well, of course, mental health, but anxiety, missions, mm-hmm. and dealing with anxiety on a mission, <clears throat> and also faith crises. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. You have so, to laugh it out. Laugh it out. Yeah. No, just <laughs> Buckle up. Embrace the discomfort. And yeah, we're excited to jump in. Yay, I'm excited. It'll be good. All right, so let's start back way as far as you can remember. Um, Tell us about, we know, see, this is kind of hard to do with somebody you know so well. Um, (laughs) Tell us the dynamic kind of of your family of um, 
their activity in the church when it comes mm-hmm. to were you guys close when talking about things with the church did you guys um like go to church did you guys yeah scripture study pray all those things kind of take us to that point in your life yeah so my family and i are super close we've always been very close i have three sisters i'm the third out of four um and we're all like two years apart and so we're all close in age um and uh very close with my parents i have like the most amazing parents in the world i just i'm blessed with the family situation I love Issa. um Issa. and kathy and all of her parents Susan. sound exactly the same it really freaks me out <clears throat> yeah. whenever i'm around them really all. yeah the girls probably all sound yeah. the same yeah yep so yeah we grew up in the church very active i mean we we like struggle with certain things like we were never consistent with reading the book of mormon but you know we did it when we could or when we remembered um we did fhe every single week and we were very open about church topics and so if we had any questions it was it was like you would just randomly start talking about the church like throughout the day and we just stop what we were doing and have these conversations so it was never like this scary conversation because it was just something that my parents were always talking about mm. and so it was something that i it didn't even feel like a like a big deal to bring it up because it was just so open in our house um and especially i'd say at fhe which we religiously did every single monday night that was like a really good time for us to just be able to talk about whatever we wanted um and my dad would <clears throat> do like little daddy daughter dates with us and then in the end he'd ask us how are you doing are you struggling with anything do you have any questions and so they just made sure to ask us how we were doing all That's the time to isa Hats yeah. off to Isa. Yeah, it was very sweet. And the best part was like, I got a piece of candy at the end. So <laughs> <laughs> You're like the date was fun, but candy. But I got candy. <laughs> so yeah, very open, very close family. Of course we had like had struggles and stuff and mental health runs in the family and that's like a, gonna be a big subject of what we're talking about today, but we've always gotten through stuff together. That's so. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. How is your spirituality specifically? Um, my spirituality, I did like always have a testimony growing up and I never really questioned stuff. And I'm kind of like, what's the word? I wouldn't say like naive, but also sometimes I am naive, but I guess like without being pushed to, I won't really think about things more than I need to. Mm -hmm. And so I did have a testimony, but I think a ton of it was just like kind of going off of my parents and my sisters. And so I didn't do too much of like my personal, I didn't do a lot of personal study or like personal like prayers and asking God these questions. And I still had experiences and stuff, but it was definitely more just leaning on my family and not thinking too much for myself about anything. And it also just, I don't know, I guess it wasn't something I thought about that much. I was just so comfortable. And since I had such a good family, I just like didn't really think about it that much. I was like, yeah, the church, love it. You know, Mm -hmm. which is good to a certain extent. And then eventually you have to get that testimony for yourself. But Mm -hmm. when did you feel like if it was before your mission, did you start? feeling that you had your own testimony or that you wanted to figure it out yeah yeah so i i think when i moved away to college which i you know only moved an hour away to provo but still i was like on my own i was independent for the first time and so i think that's when i really wanted to start like having a testimony for myself and the first calling that I got in college was Sunday school teacher, a preach my gospel teacher. And I was like 18 and I was in this older mm-hmm. ward and I was like super nervous. But like, I remember that helped me to really develop my testimony a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, I think I still kind of coasted until I prepared for the mission. Then that's when I really started like putting in some work. So, you know, I, I had a testimony and I did read my scriptures, but I just didn't think about anything that, that much until yeah. I had to. So... And you felt like you had to when you decided to serve a mission. Mm-hmm. Was that always in the plans or? Heck no. <laughs> I did not want to go. It was always <laughs> in my plans That's to never, not. Can we just, just say that? It's, <laughs> it's I have met people. Like, you have? Yeah. Where they're like, oh, I have not. It's like, absolutely not. It was never, I was never going <laughs> to do it. A mission, forget that. <laughs> That's exactly how it was. And it wasn't like I was super against it. I just didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And I was more focused on school. And I also am a very social person. And I love my friends. I just liked where I was at in life. I was chilling. And yeah, I was so like, you're like, why am I going to leave? Yeah, I am just like, that's the moral of the story. Is that before a mission, I was just chilling all the time. Right. And <laughs> I just was. I was like, I don't, don't need to go on a mission. Nothing. I'm just, I'm good right here. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so all of my friends went on missions. Like I had this high school group of friends and they all left. Um, and I remember like 
I was 21 when one of my other best friends, our best friend, Dallin, came home. Um, and I went to his homecoming. And at this point, I'm 21. All of my friends have returned from their missions. And I w- felt like I was just past that age or phase of life. Yeah. Um, and during his homecoming talk, I just, I got the freaking feeling, right? <laughs> the, you need to go on a mission feeling. And I was like, mm. I don't know (laughs) and so I just like pushed it off and then I was driving home with my mom and we were talking about his homecoming and I was like mom I I just like had these feelings that maybe I need to go on a mission and she's like um she's like do you think that God's telling you you telling you that you need to go and then like I lost it and I just started bawling my eyes out I don't think I've ever cried that hard in my whole life to be honest and that was like a sign for me I was like well I don't I don't know why else I'd be crying this hard if God wasn't telling me to go on a mission, but I just felt it that strongly. And I didn't want to go at all, but I was like, well, we're going to do this. And so I started my mission papers that day. Um, I think I got home in like July and I left in January. So within six months of deciding, I was like gone on the mission. So I just like went through everything as quickly as possible, to be honest. So just get your papers. In. Yeah, I, I didn't want to go, so I was like, let's just get myself out there so I can get myself back. Almost like that was what my was, thought uh, process. What was what was the what was your biggest hesitation with going on a mission? Like, why didn't you want to serve? Yeah, did your dad served, mm-hmm. and did your sister serve? Yeah, so my dad served, and then Trisha, my oldest Trisha. sister, served, but she came home early because of mental health problems. Mm-hmm. So obviously that was on my radar because my mm. family has mental health issues. Like, we all have different things that we struggle with, but it's something that runs in the family, and I knew that I had it. And I was nervous because ever since, like, pretty much I was in high school, I would say, I started to realize how much anxiety I have, specifically with change. And so mm. the tiniest changes, I would freak out. Like I couldn't apply, even apply for colleges without like crying because it made me so anxious to even think about moving out. And every time I would start a new job, I would, I don't think I realized it back then, but looking back, I I can tell that I was like depressed when Mm -hmm. I started a new job for at least a month. And I was so anxious and I hated going to work, even if I had like a really easy, like I had a really easy high school job where I literally worked with one of my best friends in this place that was going out of business. And so nobody came in, like it was the easiest job (laughs) in the world, but I was like depressed even just thinking about going. And I mean, just other things, I don't know. It's just like something that I started to discover is that I really struggled with any type of change. And when I moved to college, even just an hour away from my family, the first semester I was very depressed and I cried like all the time. And so I was like, well, I'm about to embark on probably the biggest most drastic change of my whole life and so it was scary because I like knew what could how it was probably going to affect me I don't think I realized how much it would affect me but I was terrified because I knew how bad that change would affect me and my oldest sister came home and I watched her struggle and that was pretty much my biggest fear was also having to come home early Mm. so wow yeah so yeah so for those six months I was like okay, God told me to do this. I'm going to do it. And I want to have a desire to go. And so that's what I really worked on those six months was like, I don't want to just go because I'm forced to, like, I want to have a desire. So I worked really hard by studying, preaching my gospel, talking to my friends, like so much of it was just prayer, asking God, like, please give me this desire. Um, And I think the biggest thing for me was just focusing outward because the more I served other people in the meantime, the more I got excited to be able to serve when I got in the field. Mm. And so... I think honestly, I, I, I worked so hard those six months to have a desire to go. And I did by the end, I was pumped. Like mm-hmm. it was probably the month before I left where I was like, I'm excited. I'm going to go on a mission. I'm going to like serve the people of Las Vegas and it's going to be great. And so, yeah, I eventually got to that point. <laughs> Didn't <laughs> last super long, but yeah. I love that. That's cool. So tell us a little bit about entering the actual field, the MTC, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. So the MTC was great. I mean, I had a great time. It's like EFY, like we're all going to get together with our friends (laughs) and feel the spirit. (laughs) And I went to the Provo MTC, which is two blocks away from where I had been living for two years in Provo. So it's like, oh, I'm going to go down the street and hang out with some friends. And like, and I, I loved it. I felt the spirit so much. I learned so much, but I wasn't struggling at all in the MTC. I was just chilling. Um, And I remember like a couple days before, as it got closer, because I was in the MTC for three weeks, and as it got closer to going out in the field, I felt more and more anxious. Mm. I just knew, like, 
<clears throat> I didn't realize how bad it was going to be. I thought that I was going to hardcore struggle and stick it through and then like get used to it eventually and like just make it through basically. Yeah. And I was like prepared to power through because my biggest fear was coming home early. Um, and I, but I just felt like the anxiety building, I felt the depression building and I just, I just felt my brain starting to do the freak out that it does anytime there's a change at all. Mm. And it was scary cause it was like, I don't know. I just, I just felt it coming and I couldn't do anything about it. And I was just trying my hardest to, I don't know. But you just were able well. to recognize that before yes. it happened. That's kind of cool. Yes. But I didn't realize how bad it would be. Like, I don't know how to explain it. It was just like. It was just mostly like I've had these patterns before in my life and I know that this is about to be the biggest change that's ever happened to me and I can feel myself already being anxious about it even though it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And so just from patterns in my life, I just kind of knew how I'd react. I just didn't know how drastic the, ch- the reaction would be this time because mm-hmm. it was crazier than anything else I had experienced. So <laughs> It is quite the change. Did you ever, um, did you ever seek treatment before your mission? for anxiety yes. and depression related things yes um it was kind of like a pre-mission treatment thing where mm-hmm. i was like i know i'm really anxious and i know that based on these patterns in my life i will probably feel a lot of anxiety on the mission and so i went to the like my family doctor and i got on some anxiety medication and in the moment i didn't really feel a difference uh, to be honest i don't know if that helped me just because i took it while i was doing fine mm-hmm as like prep, I guess, for the mission. And then, so I I don't know, like I did, I did take medication, but I have no idea, to be honest, how that affected me. (laughs) I didn't ever do therapy before the mission at all. I, yeah. Did you have, when you were doing like the pre-screening thing of the mission, did you have to talk about or do any of those things beforehand? Um, nothing serious enough to like talk about it, but like, honestly, no. Okay. No, I just put down that I had some anxiety, that I had some, like, homesickness and, like, problems with change. Um, But it wasn't even to the point where I was like, I know I'm going to go stateside. It was like I still could have gone anywhere, I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure. So nothing really, like, restricting the mission paper process or getting called anywhere. And I think it's important to note as well, before COVID hit, I don't think, like, mental health was still pretty taboo. Like, not super taboo because we are talking like what mm-hmm. 2019 2020 yeah probably 2019 but it was like mm-hmm. it was still kind of taboo to be like i struggle with this and i need yeah help. vulnerability was taboo yeah definitely yeah. like mental health might have not been but being vulnerable about vulnerable about mental health was yeah, yeah. well and i struggled so much with vulnerability i still do a little bit but before the mission I never talked about my feelings with my family, with my friends, with anything. And so mm. it just like the mission pretty much ripped me open and forced me to be vulnerable because yeah. I pretty much had no other option at that point. Um, but, but yeah, so there was that taboo, but I also had, hadn't struggled enough with mental health problems to, I just wasn't really aware, honestly, of what I was what going was. through and to call it what it was. I just didn't mm. really know. And so I was like, for some reason, I'm horrible with change, but I'm just going to like power through. <laughs> and and the, and you would think that the fact that my older sister came home early would help me to be more loving and accepting of myself for coming home early. But And I had absolutely no judgment towards her, and she went through, honestly, a lot of similar things to me. But it was almost like I saw how hard and difficult that was for her, and I do not want to deal with that myself. Mm, And so it was like I I saw her go through that, and I want my experience to be different. And so that was like my priority was staying on the mission. Mm -hmm. So I made it a month. So (laughs) (laughs) didn't happen. What happened after you got out of the MTC and you went into the field? Oh, my gosh, guys. It was crazy. I felt it the second I stepped off the airplane and like I'm not even being dramatic it was like I stepped off the airplane airplane and I was like more depressed than I had ever felt in my whole entire life like on the verge of tears and I'm like nothing's even happened yet I'm also like I had gotten excited to serve and but I was just so anxious and depressed and I think for me depression was more prevalent on my mission than anything else um and that's what I really dealt with but anxiety still was there um but yeah i mean i wasn't in the field very long i was out for a month and it was like just i don't know how to explain it other than like the most dreadful dark feeling i had ever felt in my whole entire life the second i stepped off the plane and um 
I literally like to, to put it into perspective or not, I don't know if it's perspective, but I cried every single free moment in my mission. That's not an exaggeration. And I'm not even a crier, but it was like, wake up, I'm crying. Personal study, companions, like comp study, like I'm crying throughout the whole thing. If I wasn't out on the street talking to somebody, like I was crying and I was so hopeless. And during my meals, I would cry. And like, I had no idea why. And it was like such a big change that my brain absolutely didn't know how to handle it. And it was Mm -hmm. too much. It was like, it was just too much for me to, like my brain to handle. I don't really know how to explain it but i was just so depressed like so depressed yeah it was really bad (laughs) when did you first start i guess being open about what you were feeling um so i pretty much had to be because my companions were like what's wrong with you (laughs) i was in a tree i was in a trio which i'm grateful for because i love both of my companions but i'm like good thing they weren't stuck with just me because that would be a lot to handle like they had each other sometimes i'd be like you guys just go study i'm gonna cry (laughs) um and so (laughs) but it forced me to be vulnerable with them because i couldn't hold in my emotions and so they were like what's Mm. going on like what are you feeling And I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I feel so dark and so hopeless and so sad. And like, it's sucking the life out of me. Um, And so, you know, we'd like write our emails to the mission president every week. And my first email, I laid it all out. I'm like talking about what I was feeling and whatever. And then he called me and he's like, you should go see a therapist. And I was like, okay, like I'll do anything. I don't care. And so uh, I went to a therapist. to be honest, I don't remember a lot that we talked about. I think it was mostly me crying in the therapy sessions and um, I don't know. And then after like a few days there, it, it was so intense that after like three days in the field, I had suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then I, it was all I could think about during the day. And it was like kind of scary because I've never had that before. But it was like we were walking on the street and I just wanted to like walk in front of a car. Like it's kind of dark <laughs> or like I if. I don't know. It was just like little things where I'm like, I should just walk in front of that car because I can't think of any other way to relieve this pain right now. And I didn't have any other hope for relieving the pain. Um, And so I did have a lot of suicidal thoughts, which I think is the biggest reason why I didn't make it far because I think I would have been really stubborn. But I think because of those suicidal thoughts, my mission president... When especially my therapist were like, this is dangerous. Like you can't be here like this. Right? Not safe at all. And like at the rate that it was going... It would have, I don't know what would have happened, but like, I mean, the fact that I was only out for a month just like will tell you how intense that experience was for me because I don't know. It was just so intense. I, I just had to leave. And so, um, I, yeah, I, the field is kind of just a blur for me of just like extreme depression. And then one moment where I had one very spiritual moment where um, I was sitting in church with my companions and I was trying not to cry surprise surprise during sacrament meeting and I was just like praying and I had I was praying all day every day like just help me like I don't know what's going on I don't know why I'm reacting like this um and I'm also like a social person I like talking Mm -hmm. to people I like teaching and I was good at teaching so I didn't have an issue with anything that I was actually doing it was just like the change itself um but I was just praying and I was like god like I cannot take this anymore like I just need something to happen. And then um, for like probably about two minutes of my life, literally everything was completely lifted off my shoulders. Like I felt, I felt the physical weight just leave my body. Mm. And for like two minutes, I just felt so much peace and love and I was happy. And I just, I think the biggest feeling is just peace and then love and comfort. And Christ was just, he was just with me and he was like, give me a break to, I think that's what it was. I think he's like, let me give you a break and let me remind you that like, I'm here still. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after those two minutes, everything came back and I felt the exact same way again. But I think that was like the biggest experience that I had on the mission that helped me like throughout and after was like, God's with me. Even if he took something away from me for two minutes, I can't doubt what happened in those two minutes. And like, I can at least hold on to that. Yeah. And so that helped me a lot. How, because I feel like this is kind of a common thing. God gave you this prompting, this this very blunt go on a mission, right? Mm-hmm. He very much gave you revelation. This is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And then you do it. 
mm-hmm. and you have these intense feelings like there's no way that I can do this. Mm-hmm. So how did you kind of battle with that in your brain? Because it's like yeah. you're doing what God said to do and then look at this outcome. Like there is absolutely mm. no way. Beret. This- yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just reconcile that. Thought I, I struggled with that so much. I was like. I spent six months working my butt off to be excited for this. And then like the second I get there, I felt like my life was destroyed yeah. and, and I felt like everything was just destroyed. And I was like, is this what you wanted? Yeah, and then exactly. is, is this yeah. how I'm supposed to be? Or like, am I not doing this right? Because in my head, I was like, if God told me to do this, it should be a good thing. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of like putting a lot of blame on myself. Like, what am I doing wrong? Why am I not like, just why am I not getting what I thought I was going to get out of this experience? Um, and especially when I came home so soon, I was like, I failed God. Like that was my yeah. biggest thought was like, I had this strong impression to go out and like, I failed. I couldn't even do it at all. Like, and I was out for such a short amount of time that I really can't say, and maybe I did, maybe you never know what happens, but I really can't say I helped all these people. Like I had some good moments, but like, I wasn't like baptizing people or like feeling the spirit with people. It was just pure struggle and like depression and then I came home so I was like I'm such a failure like that was the biggest thing I struggled with at first um and I also struggled with like a little bit of like I'll say PTSD but it's not like officially like diagnosed PTSD but it felt very traumatizing for me to like pray and read my scriptures and do Mm. anything that I did on the mission which means like anything that is spiritual I really couldn't do for months when I came home Um, Do you think it kind of correlated to the fact, like, I might get revelation and I might act on it and then something like this might happen again? I don't know. That's just going through my head. It was a lot of things for me. Um, Well, well, first of all, okay, wait, I'm going to talk about that in a second. But just to give you context, I was sent home um, and right when I came home, COVID hit Mm -hmm. and I was quarantined and all of my siblings were gone and I was with my parents for like two months while they worked and I didn't have a job. So it was the worst circumstance to be in of just being all alone all day by myself with just like my thoughts and like lingering depression from the mission. And so I think for me, like, I think a part of a big part of it was just that I was um, mentally ill. And so like, I think a lot of it was kind of PTSD where it's like, it just brought back so many memories and feelings that I was trying to move on from Mm. um, reading my scriptures or praying. And then I think another big part was like, I was so ashamed of myself for coming home early. And I was so sure that I had failed God that I was pretty much like in the mindset of like, I don't want to get a spiritual experience or I don't want to talk to God because I failed him. And like, he's, Mm. I just didn't want to face him, if that makes sense. It was like, I didn't want to face what I thought he thought about me and what I thought he was thinking and I, I would, thought I was just such a disappointment that mm. I just couldn't even, like, talk to God. And so I didn't for a couple months. That's I think that's important to be aware of, too, like, in hindsight, that shame that you were feeling. Yeah. Because shame is never, never, ever coming from God. It's never, never coming from our Heavenly Father. Shame is 100% from the adversary. Yeah. I think there's, I can't remember what chapter it's in in Second Nephi, but Nephi says something like, the Spirit teacheth a man to pray. And if you don't feel like praying, you can, I'm just paraphrasing, but he's like, Mm -hmm. if you don't feel like praying, you can be rest assured that it's not coming from God. Like that feeling's not coming from God. I think that's important to to be aware of that, that shame. And like now looking back, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. But in the moment I was just put everything on myself. Mm -hmm. There's no way. It also sounded like you didn't have like resources to look to, to help you not feel that way, especially during quarantine, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. So like therapy wasn't an option well it was it could have been online but i just honestly didn't think about it i didn't think about meds or therapy for a while after coming back it was probably like six months that i started going to therapy yeah um but yeah let's look at my well i want to ass kind of oh yeah because i'm ass- i'm assuming that this is not the darkest point yet do you feel like it mm, got yeah. worse before it got better um in different ways. Um, mentally, it it did get better when I came home. Like, it wasn't right away, and it was still a big struggle. But, like, just depression-wise, like, suicidal thoughts didn't have that after the mission. So that was, like, a huge relief in and of itself. Um, but spirit- spiritually, it got way worse after the mission. Mm. Um, and I, I had a faith crisis for, like, a – it lasted for about a year. 
it was from like i was home for like six months i started to recover mentally and that's when all my spiritual problems kind of came crashing down um and i don't know how to explain it other than just i I guess like what i was saying before is like i'm a I've always just been chilling. I have not done a lot of, I hadn't done a lot of personal work with my testimony and I had done a lot of like leaning on other people's, which is good, but I really didn't think about much until I came home. And I just think like the experiences that I had on the mission, like they were so traumatizing. It really just like broke me down. Mm -hmm. And I really like started to think about my testimony in such an honest way, in a way that I had never thought about it before. And like what I really believe And I think because I was also mentally in a bad place and struggling with my mental health, I was just, I just didn't know. I, I had gotten to the point where I was like, I don't know if God's real. I don't know if Jesus is real, like, let alone like the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I don't even know if I believe in God right now. And like, I can genuinely say that that is the worst feeling I've ever felt in my whole life. Mm -hmm. Like worse than anything I've ever felt on the mission. Like those moments where I truly didn't know if this church was true or if like God was real was the worst, the worst feeling that I've ever felt. And so then I went through pretty much a whole year of like having to rebuild my testimony Mm. that I feel like, uh, was like a result of the mission. Like it forced me to break down these barriers and these walls and to like ask myself these questions for the first time. And so what did that look like for you? What did, what did that process look like? The rebuilding? Um, I, it was mostly struggle, to be honest. It wasn't like, oh, I feel the spirit right now. And like, mm-hmm. oh, like it was mostly struggle. It was like going to church every week. And I was in this really critical mindset. I can get really critical. Like, um, I just get in this r- critical thinking mindset a lot, especially with my undergrad and like the way that I was researching people and cultures. I was doing that with myself, mm-hmm. which I think was really bad. Um, because I could just find all these, of course you can find flaws, right? I found Mm -hmm. these like flaws with what I was believing or what people were teaching. And so a lot of it was just me like trying to get out of that mindset. Um, and it was so much prayer. It was so much like scripture study and things that I didn't feel at the time. Um, but like I, well, okay. So About the time that I started having this faith crisis, I found my therapist that I love. (laughs) I had him for two years. Um, And I would talk to him a little bit about it. And he basically told me, like, just ask all of the basic questions. Like, you need to find out for yourself. Um, And so he helped me a lot to work through this. But it was like, dear Heavenly Father, are you real? Are you there? Do you love me? The most basic questions. Mm -hmm. Um, And I asked that, like, every single night before I went to bed. And... And I didn't feel it like most of the time. I was like, I have no idea. And I was like, is Jesus real? Did Jesus die for me? Like the most basic questions. And it took like, I would say a whole year of struggle. Um, and it took a lot of doing the things that that bring you closer to God without feeling it. Mm. So like it was consistency, honestly, with like, I'm not going to give up. And like, I think there was a part of me that knew like a part of me that did believe. And so it really pushed me to just keep praying and keep reading my scriptures. And I had studied harder than I ever had for that year. I was just studying. I was praying. Um, and there's this song that these lyrics helped me so much. And Aaron knows because we both love. I was going to ask you about lyrics later. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. We love Hillsong United. Best Christian group ever. Amen. We just went to their concert for the second time. Last week. We went to their concert twice. We did. In a year. Yeah. We drove to (laughs) Vegas in one night. It was so worth it. Anyway, um, they're probably their most popular song is called oceans where feet may fail. And the bridge of the song has these lyrics that, um, It says, spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the water wherever, wherever you may call me. Um, And then take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my savior. And that was my plea to God. Like I blasted that in my car and I was like, please, God, just take me into these waters. Like I, I will do whatever you want me to do, but like, just lead me. I was basically like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I need you to lead me because I just can't do this by myself. And so honestly, a big part of my 
testimony like growing and was Christian music and specifically Hillsong yes. and just listening to their lyrics and blasting it. Um, and that's where I really started to feel like the spirit again was just like blasting and like screaming that song in my car <laughs> and just like pleading with God to help me. Um, I, I think it's important also to recognize how beautiful your voice is here. So <laughs> oh, yeah. if she was singing this, it would have been a treat for anyone listening. I want to ask you though, nice. Cassie, I know you kind of explained this a little bit, but I want to go a little bit deeper. Yeah. Why didn't you give up in those times that you were praying, you were studying mm. your scriptures, you yeah, were going to church and not yeah. feeling anything? Why because, didn't you say, yeah. Why didn't, weren't you just like, well, I haven't gotten an answer. I tried this long. Yeah. Let me just. Well, I feel like thing. that's a major, at least for me, a major motivation for doing those things is how I feel, mm-hmm. how my relationship grows with God. And if yeah. that wasn't there, that'd be really hard for me. So why did you not? give up yeah. in that time well, like how do you really see question. results yeah yeah Aaron, wow that was good <laughs> great um i think like <laughs> stop it guys <laughs> <laughs> you're too much Aaron. <laughs> i think um the biggest thing is just um what i was finding and how i was feeling without that knowledge was so much worse than how i had felt when i did have like a testimony even though it wasn't as strong as it is now where it's like hmm like how i felt during having like having family home evening growing up and how i felt at like girls camp and the mtc and that one moment of peace where i where everything was lifted off my shoulders on the mission like the biggest thing for me was just remembering times when i did feel that and just wanting that so badly again just hoping for it yeah in the future because what i was finding without the church was nothing compared to those moments Mm. and i was Mm. like i can't find this sort of purpose like i haven't found it anywhere else and so that really kept me going sarah chapman said too Mm. the reason she stays in the church is because of the relationship that she's felt to god and she's looked other places and yes has been unable to find it anywhere else I 100% agree. It's kind of cool, though, that you use that word remember because we use that word remember in every covenant we make mm-hmm. in every ordinance mm-hmm. we perform. Yeah. As well as Moroni talks about it a ton. And hope yeah. is one of the most powerful things. Yeah. Powerful emotions and feelings that humans can experience. Yeah. See, that's crazy because that's like a real thing for us, but there are so many people in this world who don't get it. Like, that is so yeah. palpable in... Like, I can physically understand that, like, talking yeah. to you guys. I get it. But that is something that. Well, and isn't we the opposite of. Uh, the opposite of hope is pretty much depression, right? It's, yeah. it's yeah. this hopelessness. Yeah. And I did feel that. I wasn't super hopeful throughout the whole thing, but it was the fact that I had felt the hope before mm. and that I had had those experiences before. When, and I just held on to those because mm. it was all that I could remember because I didn't feel any of it for a long time. And so I honestly can't remember. There wasn't this one amazing experience where I was like, God's real. Like, this is amazing. (laughs) I got my answers. That like got you out of the thing. Yeah, that got me out of it. It was like months of slowly feeling better. Um, And I explained this. I think I've explained this to one of my friends before, but I, it's like this visual in my head where like before my mission, I had this image of Jesus Christ in my head. And when I think of Jesus Christ, there's this person that I see. Yeah, you explained this to me. Mm-hmm. And then I come home from the mission and I'm struggling and I'm depressed and I'm anxious. And I would imagine this picture and it was blurry. And I was like, I don't know if he's real. I don't know who this is. And And every time I thought of Christ, it was like this blurry image in my head. Um, and then through months and months of like working hard and also just like very small experiences, um, the image became clearer and clearer to me again, um, to a point where it was more detailed and clear than I had ever seen even before my mission. Mm -hmm. And I think because like, I didn't really have a lot of amazing experiences with people on the mission. And so I, I can't, I don't have these very clear reasons of like, I was supposed to go because of this, but I do think that like. I like it helped me to ask myself these fundamental questions and build my testimony in a way that I never would have before. Um, I, yeah, I want to kind of relate that back to those lyrics that you just shared, because I feel like I'm not, I can't remember what chapter it's in, in the new Testament. I know Mm -hmm. it's part of the synoptic gospels where Peter walks out on the water. This is how I interpret those lyrics, right? Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you will call me, take me deeper than my feet would ever wander. Mm-hmm. I, I heard this on a podcast, I don't know, a few weeks ago, like, where we were talking about, 
they were talking about this specific instance of the Savior calling Peter out on the water and how Peter was able to walk towards the Savior for a moment. We don't know how long, Mm -hmm. but when his focus diverted from the Savior, he fell. And of course, then the Savior reaches down and picks him up when Peter calls out for help. But the guy that was talking focused on what happened after that because we don't really hear what happened after that. Yeah. But Jesus was still on top of the water. He pulls Peter out of the water and they're still however far away from the ship. And yeah. he said, we have to assume that Peter walked with Jesus on the water to the boat, uh-huh. back to the boat. Yeah. So he, he started out, failed, got back up with the Savior, and then walked back with him. Yeah. And I think that just relates so well to wherever the Savior calls us, right? Totally. And I really felt that too. I think one of the biggest things I had to realize for myself was it's just a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to know everything. And I think that I wasn't allowing myself to have more faith in what I was feeling in the experiences that I was having, these tiny little experiences or little things that people would say in church that I liked, where it was like my mind would automatically be like, yeah, I liked it, but here's why it could also be wrong. And eventually I was like, I literally just have to take a leap of faith. It's just faith. And so I have to be like, I like this and I want to believe it. And I am going to move towards that. And I'm going to like tell myself that I believe this. And, and the more I like took that faith and just kind of embraced the experiences that I was having, then the more experiences that I was having. And then the stronger that I was, the stronger I was feeling the spirit and the more connected to Jesus Christ I felt. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't like, let me see if the, if I feel this first and then I'll know, and then I'll act on it. It was like acting completely blindly. And then because of that, I started to feel the spirit in my life. And I started to see Jesus Christ, that image become clearer and clearer. Um, yeah, I don't know. That was key for me was realizing that it's just sometimes you go blindly. When did, did you, you? Oh, go ahead, Brian. Did you ever have outside sources kind of just take that away? Just take that. Like, why are you going to leap for faith? And why are you going to mm-hmm. just design? Like, did you ever have anybody be like, well, why would you just believe in something that you don't? know anything yeah. about. Or did you ever think that do. yourself? Yeah. So I would say outside sources, not really a lot because I honestly didn't talk to anybody about this. I talked to my roommate about it once. That's it, actually. Uh-huh. I didn't talk to anybody about it. It was very personal for me. And, and I didn't tell my family not because I didn't... Fe- and they knew I was struggling a little bit with my faith, but I didn't tell them because I didn't want to worry them is the biggest thing because it's such a big deal in my family and and we're our whole life and our relationship with each other is centered around the gospel and around Jesus Christ. And I just didn't want to bring that turmoil to them of like, I'm having a faith crisis. And it was also just so personal. I didn't know how to deal with it except for with myself. So I wouldn't say outside sources, but my own brain, yes. Because again, like in anthropology, we would look at other people and we look at their religions and their beliefs and their morals in this this very critical mindset. Um, And that's what I did with myself. And so I told myself that a lot. And that's why, that's why I really had to learn how to take that leap of faith and just let that mindset go, the mindset of critical thinking, and let it become a mindset of faith, which is also critical thinking mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> it it's is. not like, it is. yeah. Um, I like that. Yeah. So that was a big thing for me. When did you start to recognize, when did you start to recognize and become aware that the spirit was more abundant in your life or that you started to feel more connected? Hmm. Well, I've been back. Let's think. I've been back for like two and a half years. Yeah, it was like pretty much a year after starting that faith crisis where I really just. It was really just like I started having these very small spiritual moments and I would just embrace them instead of analyze them. And then that would help me just to have more and more. And so, yeah, it started getting to the point where I was like, not only do I believe in Jesus Christ, but like. I can see how he saved me like and and I think one of the reasons why I went my mission was because I have heard about the lost sheep my whole life and I've heard about the fact that Jesus Christ has saved people and I've heard stories about him healing people but I hadn't experienced that for myself um and and I did get to experience that because I was so lost and um 
I don't know, I was just able to see Jesus Christ for who he was and feel him in my life and and honestly feel healing that I didn't, I don't think I should be as healed as I am from what I went through. Yeah. It was a really dark time and I, I feel like I should maybe be more scarred or still struggling, but, but it's just like such a closed chapter in my life that I'm at peace with. And I really think that healing came from Jesus Christ and I can honestly say that he saved me, like he saved me personally. And now I can see how I couldn't have got, gotten through that any other way. <laughs> that is a real right that's, there. <laughs> that's, that's the atonement, right? Yes. Isn't, isn't, oh, I keep having these quotes and stories pop into my mind, but it, it's a, it's an Elder Holland talk where he talks about pounding the nail into the piece of wood yeah. yes. and pulling the nail out. And the guy like fills in the hole and he's like, this is the atonement. It fills in holes in our lives. Mm-hmm. And Elder Holland's like, that's cute, but no. <laughs> that's not what it is. Yeah. The atonement actually makes us, makes the piece of wood new and whole. Exactly. I think, I think the atonement is what changes us to become a new person, right? Mm-hmm. Rebirth yeah. to where you do feel more hold, more whole and healed than you probably ever felt worthy of being right. Mm, Going yeah. through the darkness that you did. Yeah. Totally. And I completely felt that. And I think like one of the biggest things that I had to realize too is like, well, because also like I, of course, like through this faith crisis, I'm still struggling with coming home early from a mission because it took me a while to get over. And I still had the shame and I still had some mental health problems. Um, And so I don't know. I just feel like throughout all of that, I just finally realized that the atonement, like Christ's work has already been done. And I was kind of like putting myself on the fact that like, I need to do this in order to get the power of the atonement. Like I need to do this to have Christ like help me. And finally I got to this realization where I'm like, it has happened. Like there's nothing I can do about it. Christ suffered. Over 2000 years ago. Exactly. 2000 years ago. And all I need to do is reach out to him. And I feel like that's what the biggest thing is. Was it wasn't like I had the most amazing study sessions of my life. You know, it was like, I was like, God, please help me. Like, I'm putting it in your hands. And because he already suffered for me, he was able to just, like, take my heart and change it and make me a completely different person. And I do feel nice. completely different than I was before my mission. And I think one other thing that I also learned a lot was I, I spent so many days consumed with the the thought, like, what would I be doing now if I was on my mission? Who would I be helping right now? Mm. Like, mm-hmm. just very, like, again, ashamed and just um, consumed in the the like just wondering what I could have been doing. Like, would I be more spiritually strong? Would I have baptized somebody? Like what's going on? Um, And I think throughout the healing process, I also was able to realize that like, it does not matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made. Um, Jesus Christ will take you wherever you're at in your life and make it the best situation for you. And so I eventually got to the point where it was like, it doesn't matter that I came home early. Like it doesn't matter what I've been doing because I'm here now and this is what, I, this is the situation I've got to work with. And this is what Jesus Christ is going to help me with. And so then I was really able to just embrace where I was at. Um, and I was able to see so many people that I could help and so many reasons why I was home. And yeah, I don't know. Jesus Christ will just help you in whatever situation you're in, no matter how badly you think you messed up. So can we just praise a little bit? I'm so fired up. Woo! That's very Christian view. Can we just praise a little bit? Failures disappear. I'm going to. Yes. Oh, are you going to quote so will I? (laughs) I'm going to. I just just pull it up. I just pull it up because. (laughs) Let's go. We're, we're Hillsong nerds. We really are. And we can, we can quote any of their songs. I can probably quote them more than the the book of Mormon, which is bad. (laughs) But I want everybody to listen to these lyrics because this, I mean, in my own healing journey, this this song helped me a lot, but it really relates to what Cassie is talking about right now. And this, this is in the bridge of a song they sing called So Will I a hundred billion times. Um, they sing, God of salvation, you chased down my heart through all of my failure and pride. On a hill you created the light of the world abandoned in darkness to die. And as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear where you lost your life so I could find it here. If you left the grave behind you, so will I. I can see your heart in everything you've done, every part designed in a work of art called love. If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. I can see your heart eight billion different ways, every precious one, 
a child you died to save. If you gave your life to love them, so will I. And they finish the song by singing this line, like you would again a hundred billion times. But what measure could amount to your desire? You're the one who never leaves the one behind. Isn't that so beautiful? I love that. Failures, I love failures actually disappear. Like, they do. Does, they do. Does that just not make you want to just praise Jesus forever? That yeah. it doesn't matter what you've done in life. Yeah. It doesn't matter what depths of darkness you feel like you've been in before. That can all be erased. Mm-hmm. It can yeah. disappear. And like you said, that chapter on your life can be closed. Mm. And you can focus and be present in the now and in the future. Exactly. And that's what happened. And I feel like... Um, what was I going to say? Wait, I lost my train of thought. You're good. We can cut this out. You can find it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just, I just feel like, um, once I started like kind of having those spiritual experiences again and growing on that, then I still had the question like, okay, well, I do believe in God and I do believe in Jesus, but is, is this church, is the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Mm -hmm. the true church? Um, and for me, like I just came to that honestly from the book of mormon like i mean that's what they say right but it's like out of out of all the experiences i was having like nothing has drawn me closer to jesus christ than reading the book of mormon and i've never learned more about him than reading the book of mormon and so i don't know i feel like that's just where i got those answers was the book of mormon and i just clinged on to everything that i was feeling from reading that and again it took months of feeling nothing Mm -hmm. but i did can i just tell you everything you've explained within the last like five minutes is explained perfectly in Second Nephi 9. I was just reading it this yes. morning. And I think that when you understand it, because you lived through it, but now mm-hmm. that you're listening to it, you can actually see how how God kind of wrote that so eloquently in this yes. book. Yes. Because it's, it's something that is very real to us, like I said. Um, but it's not real to you unless you actually understand what the atonement is and how Mm -hmm. it plays a role in your life daily. Yeah. Well, and like, Aaron, when did we go to the Hillsong concert in Vegas? I think it was in April of this year. Okay. April. So like seven months ago ish. Yeah. But, um, Oh yeah. I remember that was a cool experience because that was when I was really starting to feel solid with my testimony really. And, and I went back to Las Vegas, which was where I served my mission to go see Hillsong. Plus what they call Sin City. Like we're in the middle, like just outside of the strip Uh listening to Christian rock with 6,000 other people. (laughs) And I was just nervous because it was the first time that I went back to my mission. I honestly had no intention of going back. I was like, um, goodbye, peace out. But I was like, no, we're going to go back. And and I drove through a lot of like my areas on the way there. Um, and I just remember like being in the concert in my mission, just feeling so sure of what oh, I was singing about. That's so cool. And it was honestly the coolest experience for me. And I was able to just think about how much purpose I felt, how much love that I felt from Jesus Christ. And in that moment, I was like, there is no other way that I feel this happy and this much joy than like the fact that Jesus Christ just saved me like over these past years of my life. And that's just the biggest, I don't know, that's just the biggest thing I've got from it. so symbolic. Back in Very cool, right? Where you were the lowest of your low. And then I was one of the highest moments, one of the most spiritual moments right there. You know, it was very cool. I love that. So we we cried. Oh, we cried. our hands were up when you guys came back from that concert you guys all were just rachel didn't sleep for 24 hours (laughs) and your guys's faces were like to this day one of the most spiritual experiences of my life 100 still so cool and i think just to i just want to cap this off because the other day i was thinking about i read this scripture verse probably three weeks ago um it's in matthew 6 verse 22 um the light of the body is the eye if therefore thine eye be single thy whole body shall be full of light and i was thinking about this because i was having a rough day one time and i i ended up seeing some friends and one of one of my really close friends just has this countenance about her where she just like lights everybody up in the whole room and i just felt so much happier after being with her for a few minutes but as I as I was pondering on that scripture over the next like week or so, I was like, there's another person in my life that I feel that same thing around. 
and it's Cassie. <laughs> and it, it's just Aaron. a testament. And I mean that. I actually mean that because Cassie has a light in her eyes and her smile lights up a room and you can't help but feel happy around her. And it's just a testament and it's a testimony to what the Savior's Atonement does to someone's yeah. heart, to someone's countenance, and to someone's life, right? Cassie probably had many times where you didn't really feel like smiling. Oh, yeah, many, many times. <laughs> and and now you're someone that I feel like I lean on to Aww. kind of see that light, that countenance. That's so sweet, Erin. What? Adorable. I love that so much. Um, well, Cass, can we finish with the infamous question? Infamous? No, thanks. Just kidding. <laughs> yes, please do. Can we skip that part? I don't feel like it. Just um, <laughs> so throughout this entire process, coming home early from your mission, battling with depression, having a faith crisis, what do you think is the one thing that you want to take have listeners take away that you want brought into the light from your experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's kind of like two things, I guess. I think like with coming home early and that shame that a lot of people feel, I think the biggest thing that I learned that I think could be helpful is what I was saying earlier, like, um, it doesn't matter what's happened on your mission. It doesn't matter if you could still be there, like what would be happening where you are at now is where God's going to make the most of your life. And you're not going to be punished for where you're at. You're not going to be punished for the situation you're in. As long as you're just trying to come closer to Christ, he'll make the absolute most out of that situation. So if you're home and you don't want to be home, it sucks. I know, but like you can make that a, a, an important phase of your life and, and Christ can make that like a, an important part of your life where you can grow just as much as if you were still on the mission. So, um, yeah. And then I guess for the faith crisis part of it all, I mean, I guess I would say if anybody's going through that, you, my advice, I guess would be just remember the experiences that you have had and keep pushing along. Um, and I guess my testimony is that Jesus Christ is real and he loves us. And I was able to experience that firsthand. Um, and I just believe now more than ever that we have a savior and that he's with us and that he loves us and that he has already done the work for you. You just need to just to open your mind and open your heart to him and he will do the work. He'll change you. Um, yeah, no, I just believe that with all my heart now. So. so cool. And can I, can I just reiterate how I know that, like, why it's important that Cassie just bore her testimony. Because we, me and Cassie, this is probably my favorite moment that I've ever had with you. Aww. We, I was in the trenches. I was crying. And mm. I was, like, so sad about something. And I was so tired. Yeah. I was stressed with school. It was just a bad part of my life. And then I go to Cassie. And Cassie's over here crying. And there's all these issues <laughs> happening. And she's just crying. We go on top of a mountain and we're mm-hmm. blasting this Christian music. And I, at first Let's I was go like, Christian music. I was like, this is weird. <laughs> it was also I'm like. I'm not feeling this. I think this is really weird. Do you weird. remember what song it was? It was just my playlist of Christian playlist. music. Yes. Mostly Hillsong. And, and I remember it was also when we were first starting to get close. Yes. So this was like yeah. our first very vulnerable experience You're like, together. Is yes. Cassie so, some yes, sort of weird, weird evangelical? Yeah, I'm like, like, I don't like yes. this. I was very, I was like, oh, no, no, no. And then we just like, <laughs> I didn't know like, that. I was reading the lyrics and I was like listening to her sing about it and talk about Christ. And like when you hear this podcast and you when you hear Cassie talk about Christ, it is it is very much a real thing to her and and it's not like any type of joke type thing it is it is really real it's not some type of thing that somebody told her one day and she just kept going on with it it is something she lives and loves and anytime we are ever in those times at least since we've been friends Mm -hmm. that's what i go to and that's what we do like we just blast (laughs) christian music in your car even though the first time i thought it was so weird it was just (laughs) It was so empowering, and the spirit was so strong within that moment because Cassie actually believed it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it was actually something that she did to bring her closer to him. Aww. Amen. I hope you all can <laughs> feel the energy. <laughs> Cassie and I are going to convert the world to Hillsong United. We are. We're going to go on a separate so mission for conversion to Hillsong. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. And we're also going to see them every time they come anywhere. We're going to follow them the on their tours. <laughs> 
Yep. I love that. Just yeah, I told him, I'm like, I don't care how many kids we have. I don't care how long it's been <laughs> since we've talked. We'll ditch our families or bring them if they want to come and go to the concert. It's going to happen. I love it. So. Well, Cass, thanks so much for coming on. This yeah. was, it's, it's, I always love when we have like our close, close friends come on these Aww. because. I literally can't stop smiling right now. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> well, I love you guys. I mean, you guys said this about me, but you guys are some of my best friends, truly. And I don't think I would be able to like open up this much if I didn't feel so comfortable and loved around you guys. So mm. thank you. Yes. Cassie, we love you too. We love you too. And Aww. thank you listeners for listening to our podcast this week. Um, we're so grateful for your support. I just looked at the stats. We have 4,000 people who listen, what? who have listened to our whoop, podcast. Whoop. So Let's go. thank you for that. We love you guys. <laughs> also, I just want to bring y'all into the room because Braylon is just has her arms wrapped <laughs> completely around <laughs> two chairs. Like, <laughs> Leave me alone. In the most weird way I've ever seen. <laughs> like the top of the chair is tucked into her armpits right now. <laughs> it is pretty weird. <laughs> I will say. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Anyways, we love you all so much. Thank you again for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.